You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Welcome, everybody. You are listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. And we've got uh, a lot going on today. Uh, I'm going to finally check in with some spring training standouts. Probably against my better judgment. Because I warn and warn and warn about uh, not taking spring training stats too seriously. But there are some interesting uh, position battles that are shaping up that could be uh, starting to get informed by spring training performances. So we're going to look at some of those. Uh, also going to have uh, on the show Mike the Rotocop, and he's one of the participants in the great fantasy baseball invitational uh, that I discussed at great length on yesterday's show with Justin Mason, who's the creator of that uh, collection of drafts. Uh, been on Mike's podcast, talk a little bit about his podcast and a little bit about his draft and uh, compare some notes and see how that's going. And uh, speaking of drafts, big draft last night, the Tout Wars draft. And uh, some interesting results there. I went over the uh, labor auctions back on Monday. So now we've got another uh, industry league to uh, check in on and see how uh, those picks compared to uh, ADP and, and see what the trends are there. So I'm gonna spend some spend some time on that as well. But uh, also some news to get to. And as you all know, the Moose is still loose. Mike Moustakis has not signed. He's one of the bigger name free agents uh, who is still out there. And according to a piece in the Kansas City Star, Moustakis might wait until after the June draft. And at that point, teams won't have to uh, give up the compensatory draft pick to sign him. So, uh, in fact, I talked about Moustakis. In reference to the uh, labor auctions and talked about him even being uh, picked up in the NL labor because, of course, he could conceivably go anywhere. And if I, I remember correctly, I think he went for $5 there. In the Tout Wars draft last night, uh, Moustakis went in the 13th round. It was sort of interesting timing. I think this makes a whole lot of sense, actually, because he went uh, about a round after Miguel Sano and Eugenio Suarez who were very uh, close to each other in the 12th round. Uh, but then after Moustakis was taken, absolute crickets on the third base front. It was another four rounds before we saw more third basemen taken. And in, in that case, it was Todd Frazier and Matt Chapman. So, uh, you know, it, I mean, there's still the chance that Moustakis could sign and play uh, something close to a full season or maybe even the full season. So, you know, I like Frazier, but you don't have to reach for him. You could say the same thing about Matt Chapman. So it seems appropriate to me that you would go for somebody like Suarez, uh, you know, before you pick up Moustakis. And frankly, they might not be even with the, uh, a full season uh, for each of them. There may not be that much difference. But uh, by the same token, Frazier and, and Matt Chapman – they probably do deserve to go quite a bit later, just in the hopes that Moustakis uh, plays a, a full season or something close to a full season. So I thought that was that was an interesting, that was really a savvy pick, uh, I think. Uh, and unfortunately, I don't have the draft grid right in front of me, so I don't uh, get to give props to the appropriate owner. Uh, but again, I'll be going over that uh, later on the show in, in much more detail. Matt Carpenter, he may not be ready for opening day, according to a report from MLB.com. He's been dealing with a back issue. And uh, if you're thinking, like I certainly was thinking <laughs> when I saw this news, well, maybe this uh, is the solution to the Jose Martinez problem, at least on a temporary basis. Uh, not so quick, because Martinez was a late scratch on Tuesday with a left groin spasm. I mean, it doesn't sound particularly serious, but then again, Carpenter might not miss that much time either. So I wouldn't really look for a, a whole lot of impact uh, at this point with either of these moves, but obviously these are, are moves uh, that, that need to be monitored. Uh, Jacob deGrom is going to make his spring debut on Sunday. We've been tracking this one over the last several shows. So I think that probably does keep uh, the possibility of an opening day start 
uh, out there for uh, for Jacob DeGrom. So, so uh, some encouraging news for him. We'll see how that goes. Uh, not good news for Logan Morrison, who uh, just started to snap out of a slump today uh, against the Red Sox, uh, but then had to leave the game uh, with an injury. And I'm just looking to see. Uh, yeah, I don't see anything in terms of what the specific nature of the injury is or the severity for Logan Morrison, but he did have to leave the game early uh, after, uh, uh, I guess, a, a rough play sliding into home plate. So uh, I will uh, pass on information as I get it in regards to Logan Morrison. The Royals have signed John Jay to a one-year $3 million deal with incentives, and uh, he should slot right in as the uh, starting center fielder, at least against right-handed pitchers. And a platoon there would make a whole lot of sense uh, with, with Jay facing the righties. Paulo Orlando has pretty good splits against lefties. So that would, I would think, seem to be the case there. And Jay doesn't really have a, a whole lot of value in most formats, but did hit 296 with the 374 on base percentage last year. Uh, has been a pretty good batting average and on-base guy pretty much throughout his career. So in a deeper format, particularly a categories format where you need to fill those categories or, you know, maybe a, a points league because of the, the strikeout to walk ratio, JS and value, he's going to get some playing time. So that is a, a good thing for him. On, I believe it was yesterday's show, I had the bit of news that it looked like the Rangers were positioning, the, positioning themselves to sign Julio Pablo Martinez, the uh, Cuban outfielder. Uh, that is now a done deal. The Rangers have signed him for $2.8 million, which I believe was the entirety of their international slot money. And uh, as I mentioned in the uh, initial report for Baseball America, he could start at either high A or double A and maybe be on a fast track to get to the majors. Eddie Rosario, uh, according to the St. Paul Pioneer Press, is in a, a no-throw status as he has mild triceps tendonitis in his right arm. So uh, I don't know exactly how long that's going to be for. Maybe there is no timetable right now for Rosario, but he's going pretty aggressively, going pretty high. In drafts, uh, you know, Sadly is a number three outfielder in, in a 12-team mixed league. So I could see that this, uh, if this lingers, this could maybe sink his ADP a little bit. Rosario was, to my opinion, a pretty risky uh, pick for a third outfielder just to start with, given that the good stats that he put up last year, they really came much more uh, later in the year. And uh, while he's improved his plate discipline, that's still really a weakness for him. So, you know, in an era where there's there's a lot of players uh, the last couple of years who have kind of come out of nowhere, uh, but sometimes they, they fade just as quickly. Uh, Eddie Rosario, to me, is somebody who, you know, needs to kind of needs to earn that uh, that that draft position. And now he's got an injury issue. Again, I don't know how how severe it is or how long this is going to affect him. Zach Davies also with an injury. He's got a left oblique strain. Uh, according to Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, the team does not consider this to be serious, but he will miss his next turn in the spring training rotation. Good news for Marcus Stroman. He is slated to play catch tomorrow. So we had gone several days without any real update on him. So now we uh, have, if that all goes as planned, a little bit of progress. For Marcus Stroman. Billy Hamilton, also good news for him. He should be back in the lineup tomorrow, according to see uh, Trent Rosecrans of The Athletic. His finger, uh, which he hurt the other day, is feeling a lot better. So that is good news for Billy Hamilton. So be sure to go and check out Fantrax.com. You, you can create the ultimate dynasty keeper or redraft fantasy league using Fantrax's free commissioner product. Find out how it feels to have the deepest player pool multi-team trades, plus player salary and contract options all at your fingertips and all of which are fully customizable. And with Fantrax Treasurer, you can set the league entry fees and safely distribute payouts without a third party so that you don't have to go and track down owners for payment. And when you register, enter the promo code AL, that is A-L, also my first name, but you know that, I think. 
enter the promo code Al at the sign up. There's a little box at the bottom. So make sure you don't skip that. Put AL in there. And what that does is that enters you for a chance to win 10 private consultations for free with me. And this is a package that I sell on my blog, almelkier.com, for $109. You can get it for free uh, if you win a drawing. But you can't win the drawing if you don't put in the promo code. So the promo code is AL. A-L. So find out why Fantrax is the home of fantasy sports and check out Fantrax.com today. We have an Ichiro update. That signing with the Mariners was made official this morning. He has a one-year deal. Uh, just right before the show, I saw something about the uh, terms. I want to say 750000 plus incentives. Uh, see if I can track that down. But I would think given the Ben Gamel injury that uh, early on, barring any further moves, barring that John Jay isn't going to be signed by the, uh, by the Mariners, uh, as it stands right now, Ichiro could get a fair amount of playing time. But uh, we shall see. There's still quite a bit of spring left. And uh, the Blue Jays have signed Tyler Clippard to a minor league deal. So he could potentially be a part of that bullpen mix. He was actually in the closer mix uh, late last season for the White Sox. So uh, kind of a weird year, 2017 for Tyler Clippard. But uh, fresh start there with the Blue Jays. So as promised a little bit earlier, I'm going to dig into some spring stats. And one of the cool things that we could do with spring stats is that we can look at pitch FX data because they've got the uh, pitch FX uh, uh, infrastructure set up at uh, Salt River Fields in Phoenix. So anytime that the, uh, I believe it's the Rockies and Diamondbacks play uh, home games there, then uh, those those pitchers, you can uh, you know check out their, their pitch effects data. You get velocity data and all, all the good stuff. And we had a, a matchup yesterday between Zach Godley and JC Ramirez. And Godley, uh, I'll admit, this is something that I... I slept on last year. If if I if I didn't, I certainly didn't remember it going into this year. That his velocity went steadily downward throughout the season, and in related news, his ERA uh, rose as the season went on. He had a four point oh one ERA in the second half, and Godley, who is uh, known among for other things uh, for getting a lot of ground balls, the ground ball rate was a little closer to pedestrian in the second half, uh, 52% as opposed to 58% in the first half, and allowed hitters to compile a 183 ISO, which is pretty robust and not in a good way for Godley. So there were some warning signs there in the second half. Velocity was dipping, but against the Angels on Tuesday, Godley's ad- average sinker velocity was 93.2 miles an hour. So right where it had been earlier in 2017, uh, from, from August forward last year, the average sinker velocity for Godley was actually below 92. So uh, that's a, a nice development and uh, may have a little something to do with the good performance that uh, Godley is putting on. He's uh, been one of the best pitchers in spring training. He's uh, uh, thrown 8.2 scoreless innings, and four of those came in that game against the Angels. He Allowed just one hit, one walk. He got four strikeouts in four innings. So a good performance for Zach Godley. It's not like he's exactly a sleeper. <laughs> he's being drafted right around 30th or so uh, among starting pitchers. Uh, and so just, you know, very squarely uh, a number three starter. And if you're talking about 15 teamers, maybe even be drafted in some leagues as a number two starter. But if you've been hesitating on Godley because you were paying attention to that velocity trend, uh, there is something very encouraging there to know uh, about Zach Godley. All right. Well, before we get to some of the other standouts and some of the uh, position battles that are going on, uh, just make sure you catch the DKMS 2018 March Madness special on Monday, March 12th at 4 p.m. Eastern right here on Fantasy Sports Radio Network with host Craig Carton. Get the edge on filling out your bracket with analysis from Greg Sussman, Mike Blewett, and special guest Yahoo's Brad Evans. And if you're looking to make some money, Gabe Morency and Blackjack Fletcher will line your pockets. The, uh, the broadcast will be simulcast on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube live page. It is the DKMS 2018 March Madness special. And again, that's 
Monday, March 12th, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. All right, so a few uh, spring training stat lines to just get you up to date on. David Vidal, it's not been going well for him at all. He is 4 for 27 so far. Of course, coming back from uh, an injury-plagued season, uh, maybe facing an uphill battle as it is for uh, playing time in the Rockies outfield, not helping his case. But the, the thing that we do love about David Dahl is that power-speed combo. He does have two homers and two steals, but only four hits so far in 27 at-bats. Uh, better news, however, for Blake Swihart, also facing uh, an uphill uh uh, uphill uh, climb for uh, playing time may just need a trade to get it, but he's certainly making it easier for the Red Sox maybe to find a trade partner. He's gone 10 for 24 with a homer and six doubles already uh, and a stolen base for Blake Swihart. And just a few pitchers, Wade Miley, uh, you know that uh, I don't know if I should say I, I like Miley for fantasy, but I'm I'm intrigued and and the intrigue is growing. He's thrown eight innings and gotten eleven strikeouts. Hasn't given up an earned run. Has given up three unearned runs and has only walked one batter. That's really encouraging. Small sample, of course. Amir Garrett, five hitless, scoreless innings and 10 strikeouts in five innings. So, yeah, people are noticing. I've been seeing people take taking the late round flyer on Garrett in drafts. That's why. Uh, and, again, I don't want to put too much focus on these really small samples, but when somebody's you know, not allowed anything for five innings and struck out 10 batters, you, you know, it's worth the cheap flyer. And Mark Leiter and Ben Lively, they're part of a big mix of pitchers trying to catch on in the Phillies rotation, both really doing uh, a, a good job of it so far. Uh, lighter, seven innings, no runs, nine strikeouts, no walks. And Ben Lively, five innings, no runs, no walks, six strikeouts. So they seem to be uh, doing themselves uh, a favor in, in terms of battling for um, uh, a rotation spot with the Phillies. And it would be great if they both make because then you got a light and lively rotation for the Phillies. And uh, I'm going to let myself out now after that. <laughs> We're going to head to break. And while we come back, Mike the Rotocop's going to be here. So stick around. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Just up to fantasy. That's right. Well, welcome back to the Fantasy Baseball Hour. And uh, here to join uh, in the fantasy, uh, Mike the Rotocop uh, recently made appearance on uh, his uh, on his uh, podcast, which you should definitely go and check out. It's the Fantasy Baseball Police Podcast. Mike, thank you so much for taking the time, and uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Al. Appreciate it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, so, uh, as I, I mentioned earlier in the show, you're taking part in the great fantasy baseball invitational. Definitely want to uh, check in on your team, which, uh, according to the uh, the spreadsheet that's out there, that's rating all the teams, uh, it, it's liking your team a lot. <laughs> and, and you took, a, I think, a really interesting approach. But before we get to uh, that, uh, I do want to talk about your podcast. So, first of all, where where can people find the podcast? 
Yeah, so I do the podcast over at Fantasy Assembly, and I'm also doing podcasts for Friends of Fantasy Benefits, which I just started doing recently, like within the last month or two. But it's been going great. I've had great guests like you. I've had some major leaguers. There's definitely a ton of stuff to check out as far as the podcast goes. Yeah, uh, well, you've had some minor leaguers on too, right? Uh, you had uh, James Nelson, if I re- recall. Yeah, James Nelson, uh, Daniel Mengden, who could be the three starter for Oakland this year. He came on the podcast. Zach Granite, who actually got a single off David Robertson in the wild card game last year. Trevor May, his teammate. So I got a couple of good guys on there. Uh, very nice. And, uh, yeah, so Trevor May is the, is the one guest that we've had in common. And uh, it was really – I enjoyed having him on the show. Uh, was there anything in particular when, when you talked to Trevor, uh, you know, that uh, you thought, well, this is some insight that I can use or that my listeners can use? Well, I was just I was just taken back by how smart he was. I mean, he was the valedictorian of his high school class and actually never ended up going to college. He went straight to the pros. But it was interesting because every professional that I have on, I always like to ask them about sabermetrics and what their thoughts on it are. And he gave me an answer that I haven't got before. Was he actually goes on Brooks Baseball and Baseball Savant and checks out that sabermetrics part of the game, which I haven't heard from too many major leaguers that do that. So I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, and like you said, if there's anybody who you know, you you might predict would do that, it probably would be Trevor May, who's just into everything. Uh, well, look, yeah, I want to get to talking about your team, but uh, before we do, Mike, I just want to remember or remind everybody and remember myself that Fantasy Factor is the perfect daily fantasy site for the casual recreational player. Flatter prize pools, smaller fields, and single-entry contests only. Fancy Factor always has fun contests going, uh, and right now there's free entry. There's a March Madness bracket and a Sweet 16 bracket, bracket, and Fancy Factor is running a $100,000 home run derby this year. Simply sign up and enter at www.fantasyfactor.com. All right, so uh, well, Mike, let's uh, do do a quick little rundown of your roster, and then uh, you know can get your uh, your take on on how you're liking it so far. Um, so you started off. You've actually this is uh, very convenient for those watching it because you've been tweeting this out in in little uh, five round chunks. So you started off with the core of Mike Trout. So I'm I'm assuming you uh, got pick number one or you got very lucky, uh, <laughs> and then uh, you rounded out your top five with Elvis Andrews and and three really good pitchers: Noah Syndergaard, Luis Severino, and James Paxton. So is going into the draft is that something? You th- a route you thought you might go, or is that just kind of just the way it played out? It's kind of just the way it played out. My approach going into it was really to take the best player available since there's so many roster spots you have to fill anyway. I wasn't really focusing too much on the positions. But after I drafted those two pitchers, everything pretty much changed because essentially the way I thought of it is I'm competing against not just my league of 14 other guys, but 194 other guys. So having the first pick, even though I'm getting trout, I realized that I wasn't going to have the best offense. So I just went all in on the pitching. And I think out of the 194 other people in the TGBFI, I think at least I'm in the conversation for the best pitching. I don't, I don't know if you agree. Uh, you know, I mean, I it, like you said, it's uh, almost 200 teams, so it, I would certainly think that that combination would put you in the discussion. Uh, it's hard to imagine, you know, that there would be a whole lot of teams better. Uh, the only thing I would just say is that these are three pitchers. I don't, I don't have any shares in any of the three so far because you know there's risk. But again, there's risk with almost everybody <laughs> uh, in the pitching pool, especially outside the the, the big four. So. I think this is about as good of a start as you could get, given that you didn't get one of the big four and and picking number one that that just wasn't likely to happen. And um, you know, again, you're you're going to be taking on some risk. So as far as upside goes, that that's a trio that's pretty hard to beat, maybe impossible to beat. And um, you know, you've assembled a nice team behind that behind that core. So you know, you've kind of had to go out. And like you said, make up on offense. Um, so is it just simply a matter of, you know, best overall projected production at each round that you're trying to get? Uh, or was there a particular, you know, strategy that you were taking other than that to try to, uh, you know, build an offense sort of coming from behind? Well, once I, once I drafted those three pitchers, I realized I was going to be behind a little bit on offense. 
So what I wanted to do was pretty much attack the categories individually. And I think I did a pretty good job of that as far as waiting for Logan Morris. And he's going to be my home run guy. I'm expecting him to hit 30 home runs. I just drafted Alex Smith, 241 overall. He should steal me 30 bases. So I'm really going after these categories individually now, knowing that I wasn't going to put together an offense top to bottom. That's going to be great at every position. So I just want niche guys to handle each stat that I need to obtain. Is that pretty much just an outgrowth again of your draft position uh, and you know who, who you did wind up taking in the first few rounds? Or uh, is that a, an approach that you just generally favor to try to piecemeal, uh, as you call them, you know, niche players or, or, or specialists in, in certain categories? Yeah, I mean, picking one wasn't the greatest. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm not a huge fan of picking one, especially when I'm seeing guys later in the first round getting Chris Bryan and Carlos Correa on the same team, and I'm thinking I'm behind already. But picking one, I think this is the approach that you have to take as far as pretty much attacking the categories as opposed to trying to get the best player at each position. Well, you know, it's I, I sort of chuckled to myself a little bit when you said, uh, you know, I don't know how you feel about this because it's a question I got uh, when I did uh, some Twitter questions, answered some Twitter questions on Monday on the show. And uh, so one of the questions was, what, what's your preferred position? I said, picking first. Oh yeah. <laughs> so yeah. And, and, I, and I get what you're saying. I mean, you're sacrificing a lot, but you're getting Mike Trout in terms of just player versus player, pound for pound. You're getting such an advantage by getting Trout, but I get it. And I mean, psychologically it, it, it's a frustration uh, because you're, you're finally getting to that picket. This is a 15, you know, 15 team league. So you're waiting your, your 29 picks and then you get there and the big four are certainly all gone. Uh, probably, uh, you know, a lot of the, the elite first basemen are gone. And, uh, you know, so I thought you dealt with it well. But Trout gives you a nice little advantage to start off with. Uh, now, one of the things that's occurred for you in the process of doing this draft is that you wound up waiting quite a bit to get uh, your, your corner infielders. I don't mean your, your CI slot, but your, your starting first baseman, your starting third baseman, you still, last I looked, didn't have a second baseman. Is that, is that still the case? Yeah, I'm still without a second baseman. And it's funny because in the sixth round, Daniel Murphy and Robinson Cano got picked to like the four picks right ahead of me. And I was aiming for those guys. It's actually weird. I thought it was weird that Chris Taylor and Ozzy Albies both went before Daniel Murphy and Robinson Cano. So when that happened, I thought, wow. Yeah. I thought one of these guys might fold me, but I'm, I'm pretty comfortable where I'm at now as far as my team is. So I'm targeting a guy like, and I hope nobody in my draft room is listening, a Josh Harrison or Chris Owings, somebody that will approach at least 10 homers, 10 stolen bases, you know? Very nice. Well, you know, that's a helpful thing because I've been doing position previews and talking about fallback options. Uh, and, you know, second base doesn't have the, the, the plenty that some other positions have. So, you know, you've given people a, a couple of late targets. Um, you know, myself, I like Logan Forsyth. Um, yeah, I like the guys that you mentioned. Um, but yeah, it's it's you know, it's a t- it's a tough go uh, if you're going that late without a second baseman. But you know, again, it, for you, it's it's probably been uh, been the way to go. And you know, I I really again, I like what you you've done in terms of your approach. That you you came out of that number one pick overall and, and targeted three really you know extremely high end uh, starters. And then in the next five, you got Buster Posey with your sixth round pick. So you went elite at catcher. Um, so you're basically, you're, you're getting value, you know, where you can. And then you went, uh, after getting Andrew McCutcheon, who I'll ask you about in a second, you went back-to-back closers with Diaz and Iglesias. Uh, so before I ask you about McCutcheon, how did you, uh, was that a reluctant move to go back-to-back closers or... Were you disappointed you couldn't go earlier for closers, or uh, it, what? What was your intended approach for getting saves? It, it was kind of like I, I pretty much embedded it in my head that, like I said earlier, I need to have the best pitching to compete in this whole entire thing and have 194 guys beat all of them. I need to have the best pitching stats, and those two guys projected me at at least 60 saves, which should pretty much put me in the green in my league, at least in the top seven. So I wanted to really solidify saves because that's a category I couldn't just give away even as good as my starting pitching was because I knew mm-hmm. it's going to be a struggle a little bit with the hitting. So when those two guys were on the board, I love both those guys. 
as long as Diaz can keep his walks down, he's going to be a top five closer. And Iglesias yep. does multi-inning. He's going to throw multi-innings. He he really has a lot of room to grow. So I'm really a big fan of both those guys. Yeah, I, I, I particularly like where you got Iglesias in this draft. You know, he's one of the few reliable guys uh, outside the top two or three. Uh, but then just before them, you got Andrew McCutcheon. And I am coming up against over and over again people who uh, are really concerned about McCutcheon going to AT&T. But I, you know, this is just completely suspicion on my part, Mike, but I, I think there, there is a bias going into that and the, the park factors may be something people can cling on to because I feel like for the last two years, I've been much more optimistic about McCutcheon than, than a lot of people. So how do you feel about McCutcheon generally and about the move to San Francisco? Well, the outfield position in fantasy is something that kind of gets overlooked, and everyone thinks there's such a such a large depth of the outfield outfield positions. And McCutcheon really is like kind of in the threshold where now you start seeing a difference in guys as far as names go. So I think McCutcheon still his steamer projection is pretty much right on point. I think he's still performing at a high level. And him in the San Francisco lineup, while it's not the greatest lineup in the world, it is a lot better than last year. Now he's got Longoria there. He's got some protection. So I'm, I think Kutch will have a good year in San Francisco. Yeah, no, I think so too. I don't, I don't think he's going to miss a beat. Uh, so you know, I, I, we're, I'm totally on board with you as far as that goes. Uh, so if you're just tuning in, I'm talking to Mike the Rotocop, who you can find on Twitter at Mike the Rotocop. Uh, we're talking about his uh, great fantasy baseball invitational draft, and I've been sort of moving forward through your picks. But I want to go backwards again to one of your earliest picks, Elvis Andrews. Uh, he was also one of my first five players drafted. I was really happy to get him. He's also seems he seems to be a little bit polarizing. There are people who think he's going to regress big time. Uh, was were you happy to get Andrews, or was that more of a consolation prize for you? So I got a little heat for this in uh, the Friends of Fantasy Benefits group chat. A lot of guys aren't so hot on Andrews because of the power regression that's obviously going to occur. But I'm not expecting him to hit 20 home runs. His home run to fly ball rate was something like career high. It's never been that before. So I'm not expecting the 20 homers. I'm drafting the guy that's going to play at least 155 games, which he's done for the last almost 10 years now. He's going to steal 20-plus bases, which he's done for the almost last 10 years now. That was the guy I'm drafting, a high-average stolen base guy who's going to provide me with runs and he's going to play every day, get his RBIs. I'm not expecting the 20 homers, so I'm not really selling myself a full stream here. Yeah, and I, I, that's, I agree with that completely, uh, that you know, even with some regression, I think he's going to maintain the value that both you and I drafted him for. And I don't, I don't really rule out a repeat of, um, of that home run to fly ball ratio. Uh, you know, just might have been a breakout last year, but you, you certainly don't want to bank on it. I'll, I'll agree with that. And then another player that you've drafted, somebody I really like, uh, you took him in the 15th round, which I think is good value, but uh, I'm talking about Jordan Montgomery. And I, I just, he's having a nice spring. I hope that he gets a fair shot to be the Yankees' fifth starter, but they're, you know, rumored now and then to be looking for starting pitching. Is that something that worries you with Montgomery? I'm a big Montgomery guy, and I actually took him, and I'm looking at it here, 32 picks before his ADP. So, obviously, I'm a big Montgomery guy. I got him at 211, and he's been going at 243. And out of the whole 194 people, I'm pretty sure I took him the earliest at that 211. But um, he was just what I was looking for, and I love Montgomery. Who's What rookie is throwing 160 innings, and now you got him pitching behind that lineup. The park may hurt him a little bit but he's climbing the charts for me. I think he's easily a top 50 starting pitcher. I'm not really worried about them going out and getting somebody because I think he'll perform from the get-go. All right. Well, I hope you're right, and maybe I need to uh, up my game a little and, and, and get him uh, further up in my cues because I, I, I do love the skill set. So, uh, well, Mike, uh, I think we're just about out of time here, so I appreciate you uh, taking a little bit of your day, uh, spend with us, and uh, – uh, go through your draft with us, and I wish you the best of luck uh, in, the, in the rest of it. It's not a problem. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right, folks. Let's well, Mike the Rotocop, and again, find him uh, on his uh, podcast, the Fancy Baseball Podcast, or sorry, Fancy Baseball Police Podcast, and uh, on Twitter at Mike the Rotocop. Uh, all right. Well, we'll be right back to talk about Tot Wars draft after this break.
Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone, we promise. No weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior and uh, DJ extraordinaire Michael Florio producing things here. Interesting choice, Mike. Anyway, uh, thanks to Mike the Rotocop for joining us in the last segment. Uh, so we've had two shows in a row where we've uh, been going in deep with the uh, great Fantasy Baseball Invitational. It's really good stuff uh, and uh, great stuff for Mike, who's putting together a good team. And, and you know, it was really I, I just wanted to have him on the show generally. But um, the, the way that he's going about dealing with having the first pick and I make that sound like that's some kind of problem or something. <laughs> Again, I like drafting from the number one spot, but um, you know that really, really interesting uh, strategic uh, stuff from from Mike there. So uh, thank him for uh, joining us on the show. Uh, so I've got uh, a Lomo update. I've got another little piece of news uh, to get to here. And also a message from DKMS. Did you know that takes only one minute to potentially save someone's life? Seriously, just one minute. That's how long it takes to swap your cheeks and join the donor list with DKMS. There are currently more than 900,000 registered donors in the U.S., and we need more. There's an American diagnosed every three minutes with blood cancer. There can never be enough donors. For only $45, you can help DKMS register new bone marrow donors. DKMS donors save approximately 19 lives a day. We want you to help save one. So please, if you can, go to dkms.org slash FNTSY today. So the Logan Morrison update, he had been removed from the the Rays. The Twins game, let's get to 2018 here, removed from the Twins game against the Red Sox. Uh, There had been initially no indication of what the problem was. Now we have that indication from Mike Berardino of the St. Paul Pioneer Press that uh, Morrison has a tight glute. So that doesn't sound too bad, but as I say with all these stories, something we got to track as we get closer to our drafts if we're not drafting already. The other thing, and maybe this is why I had the Tampa Bay Rays on my mind, uh, is that there was a report that the Rays are going to go with a four-man rotation. And if you're thinking, well, that's not news. That's been out there for weeks. The difference here is that it's not just for the first few weeks when they've got days off and, and everybody can stay on turn uh, going every five days. Even after that, <laughs> after that initial period of the season, the Rays are considering, I guess they're even planning on going with a rotation of Chris Archer, Blake Snell, uh, Jake Furia, and Nate Evaldi. And what they're going to do, they're you know these guys aren't going to get you know 250 innings. Uh, when there is a fifth day, they'll keep them on on five days rest. They're going every fifth day. Uh, they'll they'll do a bullpen day. So, you know, I'm I, the, the reaction to this has generally been negative. I'm inclined to do that. Um, the sneaky fantasy owner in me thinks, well, okay, who in that bullpen could put up a whole bunch of really good quality relief innings. But, you know, the thing is that uh, beyond a certain point, too too many innings is too much of a good thing. <laughs> so uh, I, I tend to, to, you know, even though I'm trying to be positive about it uh, from a fantasy perspective, I'm not really sure how this can go well. But the one name that does stick out is Matt Andrees. Uh, he could, you know, perhaps handle the, the workload, having been a starter, been a, been a swing man uh, a couple years ago, looked looked very promising, sort of a down year last year, uh, at least in terms of peripherals. But, um, you know, maybe there's somebody to give a little added bump to in a, in a deeper league where 
uh, a middle reliever has uh, a middle reliever with uh, you know, some good ratios and pick up strikeouts and vulture some wins uh, where that type of pitcher has some value. But uh, just a, an interesting development. And, you know, on the other side of that, on the pitching, the starting pitching side, not necessarily the best news uh, for Jose De Leon or Anthony Bonda, who I think would be uh, the next in line uh, in terms of, you know, uh, being a fifth starter or, you know, getting a, a call up, uh, you know, again, there's, you know, there's risk there. You've got uh, Faria, who's relatively uh, unproven, Avaldi coming back from Tommy John, Blake Snell looked like he broke out late last year, but remains to be seen how that's going to carry over. So a lot of uncertainty there, but I would say it, it, it definitely looks like something that would send the stocks of Bonda and De Leon uh, downward in terms of them getting opportunities to make very many starts. Uh, and of course, Brunt Honeywell uh, out for the year. So uh, that's, uh, <laughs> he's out of the picture as well. I have to wonder if maybe that impacted that, uh, that plan. We'll see. We'll see uh, what else we learn as the, the, the days and weeks go by here. So let's get to the Tout Wars draft, which took place last night. Um, 15 teams, OBP league, uh, great names from all around the industry. And uh, so I'll do you know, sort of similar to what I did with the labor auctions, which I'll kind of, kind of go through uh, you know, round by round and share what I think are, are some of the more interesting uh, picks and trends. And probably with just about any industry league, one of the first things I'm looking at is where's Paul Goldschmidt going, trying to get my finger on the pulse of people I might be uh, drafting against uh, to see how they're val valuing Goldschmidt. And in this league, Goldschmidt went 11th, which I think is the latest I've seen him go in any league, whether it's you know industry league or, or not, um, taken by Charlie, Charlie Wiegert. And uh, that's right where I have Goldschmidt, by the way, is 11th in my rankings. And I, uh, looking here, I think the 10 that went ahead of him are exactly the same 10 that I have ranked ahead of Goldschmidt. So take that for whatever it's worth. The other thing I also look at uh, that I've been reviewing pretty consistently is how outfield is dealt with in the first round. Obviously, Mike Trout went first uh, to Rudy Gamble of Rasball. So uh, Rudy Gamble and what I think is a very enviable position. I'm going to talk about uh, another part of Rudy's draft in a little bit that I think is super interesting. Ray Murphy uh, going second, of course, with Jose Altuve. The big question uh, is who goes third. This case is Tim McCullough taking uh, Nolan Arenado. Trey Turner going fourth. But uh, getting back to the the outfielders, uh, we went uh, Harper, Stanton, Betts and Blackman. So uh, Harper again, getting the nod right after uh, Mike Trout. Harper, Stanton, Betts and Blackman. So uh, and yeah, I, I uh, I've got Blackman fourth out of the four, and there seems to be a little bit of consensus around that, which surprises me a little bit. So uh, that's uh, you know a, a little bit of. Uh, of a look into the first round. Um, so, uh, pardon me, just uh, looking at something real quick here. Uh, sorry to, to check out on you for a few seconds. Um, anyhow, so uh, the big four pitchers all going in the first round. Kershaw going uh, ninth overall. And then the first rounding, first round ending, 13th, 14th, 15th picks in this order, Kluber, Sale, Scherzer. That's a little bit of a departure with Scherzer typically going uh, after Kershaw. But again, they're going, you know, back to back to back. So, you know, that's going to be largely interchangeable. Now, like I said before, I was going to get back to Rudy Gamble. This is pretty darn interesting to me. Uh now, the, the, the first couple tiers of outfielders, I just, you know, went through the first tier, and then you got the second tier. Um, and, and there's a great deal of consensus here. You had uh, J.D. Martinez go, uh, let's see, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine slots after Charlie Blackman. Aaron Judge going two spots after that, and George Springer going two spots after that. So 
those those folks have been sort of lumped together in drafts. They all went right in the middle of the second round. And then the second round ends with Noah Syndergaard going to Rudy Gamble. That's his first pick since Mike Trout. So Rudy Gamble doing the same thing that Mike the Rotocop did in his draft. But then Gamble comes back with the very next pick on the turn. And he takes Christian Yelich. Christian Yelich, very close to the, I mean, you could even say close enough that he, he was a part of that second tier of outfielders. That's the first time I've seen that. And I got to tell you, I like it. I really like it because, you know, I, I'm not, not sure that he's going to be in the same neighborhood statistically with those guys, but I do like him better than, you know, the pack that's, uh, that, that comes behind in terms of, uh, you know, players like Justin Upton, Andrew Benatendi, Starling Marte, uh, Tommy Pham, AJ Pollock. Marcelo Zuna, who I'll remind you is one of my, uh, in fact, he was the, at the top of my bust list for this year. So I like that move by Rudy Gamble. And, and again, he kind of has to do it in a way if he wants to get uh, a good number two outfielder because he's on that turn and it's going to be a long, long time before he picks again. So he goes on the turn and it takes Yelich and then Nola. So he comes out of the first two rounds with Syndergaard and Nola. And then Trout and Yelich. So, yeah, he's got to catch up <laughs> everything that's not starting pitching in outfield. But I think that's a that's a heck of a, a of a front four. And, uh, you know, then again, Rudy won the league last year. So <laughs> he's been very good in this this industry for a really long time. So uh, we sure shouldn't expect, uh, I guess, anything uh, less uh, from Rudy Gamble than that. But uh, interesting strategy there. And I, I really do like it. The other thing I thought was kind of interesting was um, Madison Bumgarner, who I've talked about on the show a few times. I've been shying away from him. I feel like it's maybe not entirely rational, that maybe it's a bit of an overreaction on my part. Um, you know, due to the fact that he just wasn't himself last year, and yeah, he had the dirt bike accident. But just the fact that he's he's piled up so many innings over the years, uh, who knows what sort of injury issues may or may not be lurking for him. And again, that might be just an overreaction on my part to worry about the things, those things to the extent that I do. But apparently I have a lot in common with the folks who drafted in, uh, in this Tout Wars draft last night because Bumgarner went 10th among starting pitchers. Went 10th, uh, you know, whereas... More typically, he's been going, you know, fifth or sixth. Uh, so going tenth, right up between Jacob Degrom and Luis Severino. And I, I kind of get that. Like I, I would want him ahead of Severino, who, again, I want to see him do it again this year. I like Severino a lot. If he certainly has the, the resume uh, of somebody who would, you know, break out onto the scene like he did last year. But I think DeGrom, DeGrom feels a little bit safer to me than Massive Bumgarner. So I, you know, I like that, and, and yet I found it very surprising. Uh, the closers, the top closers, went in round five. And again, remember, this is 15 teams. So you got to calibrate that for your other formats, your 12 teams, your 10 teams, if you're thinking, well, when might the elite uh, closers start going? And it was Kenley Jansen going to Greg Ambrosius, Craig Kimbrell, going to my former colleague, Scott White, also in the fifth round, and then uh, Corey Parson from uh, right here, Fantasy Sports Radio. The last pick in the fifth round, uh, he got Araldus Chapman. But the So, I mean, that's not surprising. It's just kind of good data to have. But what was a little surprising to me was that where I see that there is a very clear tiered delineation after those three, at reliever, that that didn't play out at all that way in in this draft. Roberto Ozuna went five spots after Chapman, and three spots after him, Corey Knebel, Felipe Rivero going to Rudy Gamble uh, uh, on the uh, the the turn there, uh, or yeah, at the uh, in the sixth round, the six seven turn. So not really much of a tier distinction. Just once the closers go, they went. And that's sometimes how, how it goes in a draft or an auction. Uh, but I found it, uh, you know, 
a little bit surprising, I get. Uh, I guess. And something I want to point out too, and I, I don't have a whole lot of time here to dig into it. I'd hope maybe I would, but Jeff Zimmerman, who's been on the show and one of the smartest, best informed people in this whole industry wrote a piece for rotographs about um, the chances of various closers making it through the whole season as the closer. It's a topic I've talked a lot about. Jeff did the research. He crunched the numbers and all three of those uh, relievers that went after the big three, Ozuna, Knebel, and uh, Rivero, all have, according to Jeff, a less than 50% chance of keeping their jobs all season long. So just something to keep in mind. And just a few other things real quick. Shohei Otani, uh, separate pitcher and DH players. The pitcher went in round six. The DH went in round 23. Trevor Bauer and Luis Castillo both went ahead of Kyle Hendricks. So Hendricks continues to be a really great bargain. Uh, Castillo, I kind of get. I love the upside. You could argue Bauer has, you know, similar upside. But I've talked about the, the bus potential for Bauer. Uh, Hendricks, maybe if you're, you're going for upside, Bauer's a better pick. But for safety, and for me, just overall in general, I'd rather have Hendricks. So as a, a Hendricks targeter, I like to see that. And finally, Tanner Roark went in the 11th round to Tim McCullough in this draft. And I just picked him in the great fantasy baseball invitational in the 20th round. And I remember just being sort of elated that Roark was still there in the 20th round. So this is a little bit of validation, I guess, for me that, you know, Roark, uh, I think he's getting undervalued in a lot of leagues, not in this one, uh, but that's a name to, to, to stash away. Anyway, so there's a little bit of an overview of the Tout Wars draft. That is going to be it for me today. So uh, anyways, hope you have a great day. Hope you enjoy some baseball. And I'm going to be back here tomorrow, same time, 3 Eastern, New Pacific, right here at Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Have a good one, everybody.